Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. He was relentless in what he did for us over Christmas. I mean, I just want you to think about it. He had every right, every, everything in the world just to be like, you know what? I'm just going to start all over. You know, let's just, you know, get rid of humanity and all of these things. But no, he had a relentless love for us so that even after the fall, he said, no, I'm going to make a way. I am going to make a way. A way to bring them back to me. A way to bring them back to my heart. And so when that baby was born that we are going to celebrate on Wednesday, we're not just opening gifts, but we're celebrating the birth the best present that you could ever receive, salvation. We're celebrating the fact that there was a baby that came down, that that God would humble himself through the form that Jesus would humble himself, that that, that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell in him in such a way that that, that the Godhead, three in one, would be made into flesh in humanity, coming down to dwell amongst us, to show us his relentless love. To show us his relentless love for humanity. How good is that? That's what it's about. I believe that whatever God is, he is relentlessly. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. I want to show you a time where God was relentless with someone. I think this story is so cool. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. I want to study the story of Simeon today. It says, as Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus came to the temple, because they were coming there to sacrifice, came to the temple to fulfill this requirement of sacrifice, an elderly man, somebody say elderly, was there waiting. A resident of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now, I, I think this is interesting. This guy is an elderly man. That means he has been waiting for years and years and years for God to reveal what he is about to reveal to him. Check this out. He was a very good man. I think it'd be so good if if somebody was to be able to describe you as, man, he was a good man. She was a good woman. Like there was goodness in him. There was goodness all over her. And the reason why there was good in him and the reason why there was goodness all over her is because the goodness of God penetrated their lives. I I, I just want you to know this today. God is good and you are loved, just like we say. But God is good. God only has goodness in mind when he thinks of you. 
because you are in Christ Jesus. And so what does he have for his son? Goodness. He had even goodness in his mind when he sent Jesus to the cross. It was for our good that Jesus would be crucified so that then we could come into his goodness and experience his goodness on a daily basis, right? Because God is good. He has goodness for you. Stop believing a bad theology that the shoe is going to drop on your life because that is not from the Lord. That is from the enemy. As Christians, we shouldn't have any of this spirit in our lives of where like, oh my gosh, well, you know, this happened, this happened, and and I'm just going to be negative. No, 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 no. No. Jesus did not die for you to stay. In the negativity. He did not die for you to stay the same. He did not die for you to just still walk in your old man or your old woman. He died so that you could know that God is good. God is good. So the question, I love this, that he was a good man. And I think he's a good man because he believed in the goodness of God. That's how you become a good man. Do you want to be a good man? Then believe in the goodness of God. Do you want to be a good woman? Then believe in the goodness of God. God. You've got to believe in the goodness of God. I think his goodness. David says this, I would have despaired had I not believed in the goodness of God in this land. That there was the goodness of God in this land. So, so the, the question when something negative happens or you're in a bad circumstance and you want to become a good man or a good woman even in that circumstance, is this. The question is not why. You're not going to know why on this side of heaven. The question is, okay, God, um, what do you have for me? Because I know that you're a good God. So I'm going to be little curious George. (laughs) And I'm going to be what's around this door. And what's around this door? I know that this is happening, but I believe that you're a good God. I got to believe that because I believe in the goodness of God. And that's what, therefore, I'm a good man. I'm a good woman because I believe in the goodness of God. And so I believe that goodness is going to follow me all the days of my life. Amen? Simeon was a good man. He believed in the goodness of God. I love that. He was a lover of God. Oh, man. A lover of God. To be, How much would you want to be described as a lover of God, not just somebody who likes God, not just somebody who reads their Bible, not just somebody who who knows about Jesus, but there's a difference between knowing your wife and being in love with your wife. There's a difference between knowing someone and really loving them and being a lover of them. That means that Simeon, his whole entire life, if you're a real lover, then you're a pursuer. You know how I still know that I'm in love with my wife? is because I pursue her. And I don't just pursue her on the good days. I, I want you to, to think about um, your relationship with the Lord. 
Uh, just think about it in the natural, too. It's like, you know, for some of you, when you did first start dating or, or maybe you've dated in the past or whatever, or maybe you can remember um, that one time a long, long time ago before you were married and you were dating, um, what would you do? I mean, you would write love letters. You would send flowers. You would, you would, you would go, I'm going to get my makeup on. I'm going to put on my best self. Like, look at me. This is absolutely awesome, and I'm going to pursue this person. And some of you, it's the same way with the Lord. You you, you met the Lord and you were pursuing the Lord with passion. And everybody around you saw that passion. And everybody around you was like, oh my gosh, look at that person. Like, he loves God. She is a lover of God. Look at how she's passionately pursuing. Look at how he's passionately pursuing God. He's a lover. She's a lover of God. And then have we let a relationship with God be like the relationship with that person that we were dating or that spouse that we're married? And we're just start taking that love for granted and we don't really pursue that love anymore? For them to write about an elderly man who was a lover of God meant that Simeon would pursue love daily. How are you pursuing God? being a lover of God daily. If you're a lover of God, then then you're looking at a child or you're looking at a sunset or you're looking at your wife or you're looking at the good things that God has blessed you with and you go, I love you, God. Look at that, man. Woo, you were so awesome. Thank you for that gift, God. Man, I love you. You are so good. Be a lover of God. Don't be just pointing out everything wrong in your circumstances. Be a lover of God and go, no, 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 no. I love you. Like, look at all the goodness that you have provided in my life. I'm going to pursue you. Your love is going to be on my heart. Your love is going to be on my mind. I'm going to love the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, with all of me. I'm going to love you with all of me, not just a little bit, with all of me, all of my senses, everything within me. I want to be a lover of you so that at the end of my life, people would say, oh, wow, she was a lover of God. But you know what I think is even more important? is for not people to say that, but for God to say that about you. For God to be able to look at your life and be like, oh, man. Because I loved you first, you now love me. It's not anything that we want on our own. It's something that he gives us. That he puts us in us. And then it's like, come on. Ooh. I want you to, to think about something. God loves you relentlessly. The psalmist writes that His love for us, his thoughts for us are like all the sand on the seashore. His thoughts of us. That blows my mind. I mean, just think about how many little grains of sand that you could just pick up in one handful of sand on the beach. It's thousands. 
And the psalmist is like, your thoughts of us, O Lord, are like all of the sand on the seashore. So here's what I've been thinking. I'm like, God, help me to love you and to love your thoughts about me. And, and, and the way I should be praying is not just coming to him and being like, here's all my circumstances. Here's this and this and this and this and this. But I want to be a lover of you. And so if, if, if I want to be a lover of you, then I want to understand how you love me. Part of like loving your spouse is learning to how to love them the way that they need to be loved. And then, and then learning them and go, okay, but it's really cool how I learned the way that they love me too. And, and, and so I, I just think it's really amazing for us to be able to go to God and be able to say, oh, God, I want to, I want to know your thoughts about me. Would, would you just give me one thought out of all of those thoughts that you have about me on this, this, the, 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 the sands of the seashore? Would, would you just give me one today? What if he's like, here's 20? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, God is not selfish like humans, humans are with their I love yous. Like, I don't understand people that, that, that have a hard time saying, I love you, if you're a Christian. I, I just don't understand it. Because I, I, I'm like, man, I, you know, we, we, should, we should just be like, you know, uh, Buddy the Elf who, who, who's just walking around being like, I'm in love and I don't even care who knows it, right? Because we're lovers of God. For Simeon to be described as a lover of God, I think it's really awesome that he probably knew the thoughts that God had about him as well. And he would pursue those thoughts. You need to be pursuing the thoughts that God speaks over you, that God has over you. Since he was a lover of God who kept himself pure and the spirit of holiness rested upon him. Now, what's the spirit of holiness? It's the Holy Spirit. And this is before Jesus died, ascended, and then is sitting at the right hand of the Father and breathes the Holy Spirit onto humanity. And so Simeon was one of the few people in the Old Testament that had a habitation of the Holy Spirit, not just a visitation. So, so what attracts the Holy Spirit? Keeping yourself pure, being a lover of God, having the goodness of God in your heart. What attracts the Holy Spirit to your life? You're someone that believes in the utter goodness of God. You're someone that is a lover of God, passionate, pursuing God. You're someone that wants purity in your life, keeping yourself pure, not just sexually, but your thought life as well. The things that are entering into you, the things that are entering out of you. What does your thought life look like? What are you consuming? What's coming in you? What is being produced out of you? You're keeping yourself pure. But then Simeon believed in the imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel. Now, this is interesting because I said a, a couple years ago, or I'm sorry, a couple weeks ago, not a couple years ago, a couple weeks ago. Think about this. Simeon believed in the imminent, imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing one, meaning, meaning the encouraging one, meaning Jesus. This is one of the few guys that was sitting around in humanity in that day and age still believing probably that this was going to happen because it had been over 400 years since they'd had any prophecy. Think about it. And yet here Simeon was. 
And so I want you to think about your promise. I want you to think about what you're not seeing that God wants to do in your life. And you're sitting there and you're so frustrated and you were this and this and this. Have you waited 400 years for it? And Simeon was elderly at this point. And what's he doing? He's still going to the temple. He's still going to the temple. He's still worshiping. He's still going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and I'm going to worship you, even though I don't see it, but I still believe in the one called Jesus, the refreshing one of Israel, the one that's going to encourage humanity, the one that is going to refresh in all of humanity and restore us back. I'm believing, and so even though I don't see it, I'm going to worship. How about you? Even though I don't see it, I'm going to worship. Even though I don't see it, I'm going to show up. Even though I don't see it, I'm going to believe. Because one day, your promise will come. Because the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he saw the Messiah, the Anointed One. What's the Holy Spirit revealed to you? When the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, you've got to keep it, and you've got to go back to it, and you've got to refer to it, and you've got to believe it, and you've got to go, no, the Holy Spirit revealed this to me. And so if the Holy Spirit really revealed this to me, then it will come to pass. It will come to pass. I'm going to cling to that. If somebody has given you a prophecy that the Holy Spirit has given them, and you've got to go back to that prophecy, like whatever that is, you've got to cling to that word, and you've got to believe it. And that's why Simeon was showing up in the temple that day, for he believed. He had received a word from the Holy Spirit, and then he believed, and he was acting upon that word. So for this reason... The Holy Spirit had moved him. Oh, I love that. Old to be 80 to 90 years old, however old he was, and to still be moved by the Holy Spirit and not be moved by the Depends diapers that you're wearing or whatever it is. It's okay. You can laugh, people. Come on. But think about it. To be moved by the Holy Spirit at that age. Um. We're going to go to this one church uh, on Christmas Eve, and I want to encourage everybody to go there, uh, not to this church, but to a church or to have a family worship on Christmas Eve. Um, we're celebrating Jesus today as our church, uh, but we have a kingdom mindset here at this church. And so, so I want you to, to view it as a kingdom mindset of going, you know what, I can be united with anybody um, and everyone because we're all going to be in heaven celebrating together. It's not fresh church or this church or this church. And so on, on Christmas Eve, I want to encourage you to do that. But we're going to go to this one church. And and, uh, and, and uh, that my sister-in-law goes to. And I've only been there one time, but the only thing that I really, really stood out to me was this one old woman. Like, because they're kind of old school. They got, like, the choir and everything. And but this one old woman, like, she is, like, Holy Spirit-filled. And I can tell because, you know, they're up there. And they're, they're singing in the choir and everything, and, and people are all somber. And this woman's like, bah, 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 bah. You know, I mean, like, she is, like, going off. And, and she's, like, 80-something years old. And that's the one thing that I'm like, I just can't wait to go to that church on Christmas Eve because I want to see that old woman sing. I want to see her sing because she's been moved by the Holy Spirit. I want my life. I want the actions of my life. I want the, the evidence, the fruit of my life for people to be able to say he was moved by the Holy Spirit. And that's what caused this to this to this to this to this. How about you? For people to be able to look at your life and be able to go, that was that move, that was that move, that was that move, and that was that move because the Holy Spirit moved. And then they did too. When the Holy Spirit moves, we move. When the Holy Spirit moves, 
we move. It could be the next song in the club. When the Holy Spirit moves, we move. Let's go. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before the Messiah, the anointed one of God. For this reason, the Holy Spirit had moved him to be in the temple court at the very moment Jesus' parents entered to fulfill the requirement of sacrifice. So here's this elderly man been going to the temple for who knows, weeks and weeks, months and months, years and years, same time, every day, do it again tomorrow. Sometimes there's something about routine in the spiritual life that we just need to keep practicing, that we just need to get into the Word of God, that we just need to show up and go to church, that we just need to do whatever it is that God's calling us to do, because that's when Jesus will come in sometimes. He's there. He's moved with the Holy Spirit, and he just shows up on that day. He had no clue that what he had been waiting for, what the Holy Spirit had revealed to him years before, that today was going to be the day that Jesus was going to show up. So he's there. He's worshiping. And imagine he sees the child. And the Holy Spirit just speaks to him. And this isn't in the text, so I'm, I'm just trying to put some pieces together here. But I imagine he's just like, Simeon, there he is. What's that moment going to be like for you when you keep on believing and you don't give up the faith? And you keep showing up, and you keep being obedient, and you keep doing what God has told you to do. What's that moment going to be like when all of a sudden the promise that you've been waiting for walks into the room? The promise you've been waiting for walks into the room. And the Holy Spirit looks at you, and he speaks to you. And he says, there's that promise. There's that promise. Simeon cradled the baby in his arms. Praised God and began to prophesy. Saying, Lord and Master, I am your loving servant. I'm not your loving anointed one. I'm not your loving a special one. I'm not your loving favored one. I am your loving servant. Jesus is the anointed one. Our anointing comes from him. Jesus is the favored one. Our favor comes from him. We don't have to ask for favor because in Christ we already have it. But we do approach humanity and we do approach everyone else as a servant. I am your loving servant. And now I can die content. For your promise to me has been fulfilled. Whatever God is, he is relentlessly. Even when we don't see it. At that very moment, Simeon had to think. You are so faithful. I never had to doubt. You are so faithful to humanity. 
are so faithful. You are so faithful. And I can now die content. I have seen what you promised for me to see. And I believe that if you'll keep on following God, if you'll keep on being a lover of God, if you'll keep on believing the goodness of God, if you will keep on just living your life in a pure way and believing in the promises and believing that God is relentlessly good to you and relentlessly love to you and relentlessly whatever it is, and even if you have a promise that you're not seeing be fulfilled, if you'll keep on believing one day, he will walk into the room and then you will be able to say, as Simeon did, that day. God, I can now die content for your promise to me has been fulfilled. Every single promise that you have ever given me has been fulfilled. I was listening to a story of this one woman the other day who her mother had passed away. But her mother had this um, thing that she would do. She, she had a bowl. And in that bowl contained some jewels. And on the jewels, it was like these little stone rubies and jewels and stuff that she'd bought over the years. And she put in that bowl. And then she would write a promise of God on it. And, and every single time that one of the promises of God had not been fulfilled in her life, she would take that, that stone out of that jar and she would place it beside the jar. And she would begin to claim it over her life. And she would begin to, to say, this promise is going to happen and this promise will be fulfilled. The mother came down with a sickness and, and fought really hard over the last five years of her life. Her daughter walked in as her mother was dying. And then her mother died. And as she was walking out of the room, she noticed something. She noticed the, the bowl where the jewels were. And she noticed that not one single jewel had been left on the table. What are God's promises to you? What are God's promises to us? His first promise is Jesus, first and foremost to you. If he never gave you another promise but Jesus, that would be enough. And you need to know that. But because he is a good God, because he loves us so much, according to the Bible, he has promises for us. He has things that are going to be fulfilled through us. But here's the thing. There are people that thwart the promises of God for their lives because they go after what they want and not what he wants. And then there's promises left on the table. But if you would submit your life to God, if you would begin to go after what Simeon did, being a lover of God, believing in the goodness of God, keeping yourself pure, letting the Holy Spirit rest upon you, then you, like Simeon, would be able to get to the end of your life and not have any jewels left on the table. Any promises left on the table. With my own eyes, I have seen 
your word. Not just the written, the living word. Jesus coming in flesh. The Savior you sent into the world. He will be glory for your people, Israel. Which that includes you and I. And a revelation light for all people everywhere. Are you walking in that revelation light? If you're a Christian, you do not have to walk in darkness. You say, I can't help it. I say, submit. On my darkest days, God's like, why? Why are you walking in darkness? Like, I've literally given you so much light, son. The other day, I was talking to someone about something in my life, and, and um, they said, well, I just want you to imagine that Jesus, you, and that thing is, like, right there in the room, all in the same room. What, what's going on in that room? I said, Jesus is the buffer between me and that. And then he said, okay, keep describing it. And eventually, the, the Holy Spirit gave me this vision of just Jesus in the room, and he was literally just holding that back with a pinky. And he looked at me and he said, do you realize how easy this is for me, son? Like, I just stay here all day. What you think is so hard to get rid of, I can literally just hold back with a pinky. With a pinky. Let me do the work. It's time for some of you to say, I quit trying to hold this thing back. I can't do it. So God, come and take it. Let me live in the revelation light that you came to, to bring. There does not have to be any negativity. There does not have to be any darkness. There does not have to be anything within you. But living in Christ. Believing his promises for you.